At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up for Lilo. Welcome to Lobby Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beast Family Podcast and Got a tremendous podcast for you. So in the second segment, going to be joined by one of our good friends at Visa, and that would be Ben Wilson. He does the show, the run line, every Sunday, and it's going to be filling in a little bit on primetime action this week as well for those of you guys that are a fan of that during the evening time. So he does a great job being able to hold it down in a wide variety of ways, including doing a lot of play-by-play when it comes to indoor football, basketball, baseball, the list goes on and on. And we're both gentlemen from the state of Wisconsin, so we're going to be talking about the Milwaukee Brewers, where they stand in the NL Central, and also going to be taking a look at a few games for Saturday that stands out to him, including taking a look at a game out there in Coors Field. So that's going to be coming up in segment number two, and then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast, and you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters EM, name me does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but mentioned it. We're going to be taking a look at a game for Coors on Saturday in the second segment, but here in the first segment, we're going to recap what wound up happening on Friday, including something we haven't seen in Coors Field in over a decade. So let's find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. 
A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. For the first time since 2008, a game ended 0-0 after nine innings in Coors Field in the 10th. The Braves opened it up with three runs, and that is just the second game ever that wound up going through nine innings without a score in Coors Field. 3-1. The Atlanta Braves get the job done. Their first three-game win streak of the season, by the way. Max Freed. Amazing in this game. Eight scoreless settings from there. A.J. Minter gives you a scoreless setting. Ken Lee Jansen gives up that under run in the 10th inning. More than enough for this team. As for Colorado, Chad Cool, he was cool in this one. Six scoreless settings. Alex Kame, Tyler Kinley, Daniel Bard. I'll give you a scoreless setting. And then Carlos Aceves lights this game on fire. Gives up three runs, two of which were earned in two-thirds of an inning before Lucas Gilbreth is able to get that final out. So that was not great. What was even more not great was... If you want to take in the Tigers, and I took a shot on them. Got some other plus prices that wanted coming through. This one did not. Yankees went 13 to nothing. It just completed another obliteration for the Detroit Tigers. Elvin Rodriguez was left out there for four and a third innings, and he really had no other options. He gave up four home runs, 10 runs in total from there. Jacob Barnes, he winds up coming in for one and two thirds innings. He winds up giving up two runs. He had Harold Castro, position player, give up a run in an inning, and Will Vest. Gave you a scoreless setting as Garrett Cole on the flip side. Seven scoreless settings before you wind up having one many Benuelos. Give you two scoreless settings. That's always a fun name to say, but for the Yankees going deep. Anthony Rizzo, 12th home run of the season. Aaron Judge is 20th. You have Mr. Trevino be able to get his fourth home run season as the catcher, Jose Trevino, able to get that bomb. And then Matt Carpenter, his fourth home run in like nine days for the New York Yankees. And by the way, Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge are third... The two home runs, that's more than the entire Tigers team. Maybe got 30 this season. The Washington Nationals go on the road. They take down the Cincinnati Reds, 8-5 the final. As wound up having Nelson Cruz get his fifth home run season. Then Lane Thomas goes deep three times off three different pitchers. His fourth, fifth, and sixth home runs of the season. The Mike Miner also gives up a bomb to Juan Soto's seventh home run season. Mike Miner's first start of the season, major disappointment. Five runs, three home runs, give it up over the course of four innings. Vladimir Gutierrez now being used out of the bullpen. He gives up on those home runs to Thomas in his inning. Jeff Hoffman gave up the other one and a third innings, gives up two runs, one of which was earned. And then from there, Ross Setweiler not out of the bullpen. Luis Sessa, eight scoreless inning, and then you wind up getting one and a third inning scoreless out of Joel Cunell as... For the Cincinnati Reds, they got a pair of bombs themselves. Victor Arano out of the bullpen gives one up to Joey Votto. Fourth home run season then. The starter, Josiah Gray, winds up giving one up as that was the sixth home run of the season to Tommy Pham. As for Gray, he winds up moving to 6-4. and four. Gives up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of six innings. Nine punch outs, including that home run. Carl Edwards Jr. and Tanner Rainey both give you a scoreless setting. And then Victor Arano gives up that home run, three runs in total. Giving up in a third of an inning before Kyle Finnegan gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen. DK Nation pick was on the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Snakes get the job done, eight to five. They take down the Pittsburgh Pirates, buying five. Count them, five home runs. Halleck Thomas winds up going deep twice. JT Brubaker, the starter, gives up one for his fourth home run season. Then Mr. Aniel de los Santos gives up the fifth home run season. You wind up having a home run off the bat of Christian Walker, his 14th home run season. Quetel Marte of the Marte Parte is able to go deep for his third home run season. And Jake McCarthy. Gets his second as for the Buckos. Brubaker, not long for this game. Six runs, five of which was earned. Give it up in four innings. And Yeri De Los Santos must be of relation to Aniel De Los Santos. Gives up two runs in two innings. Anthony Banda, scoreless setting. Tyler Beatty was able to give you two scoreless. And 
Cabrian Hayes was able to go deep off of J.B. Wendelken. That wound up having a nice day in this one. His second home run season for Wendelken. Gave up three runs without getting a single off for Merrill Kelly. Wasn't a great performance. Wasn't a bad one. Gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of five innings. But Joe Manette, Tipoli, Noe Ramirez, Sean Poppin, Mark Melanes, and I'll give you a scroll of settings. So the Diamondbacks, they snap the Pirates' three-game win streak. The San Diego Padres, they get to Corbin Burns in a big way. 7-0. Padres get the job done. Burns. Five runs given up in three and two-thirds innings, including a home run to Manny Machado's ninth of the season. Worst start we've seen out of Corbin Burns in a very long time. Obi Milner on the bullpen gives up a run in an inning. Miguel de Sanchez winds up giving up a run in an inning as well. Trevor Kelly, four outs out of the bullpen, scoreless. And Luke Barker, I believe this was his MLB debut at the age of 30. Two scoreless innings, but the real star in this one, Joe Musgrove. Eight scoreless innings. He has now won at least six innings in all ten of his starts. And then Greg Salmon. Closes the door from there. And the Padres, now 31-21. and 21, So things are looking up for them. Speaking of high-scoring games, the Philadelphia Phillies got this overall by themselves. 10-0, they take down the LA Angels. Hours after, they fired Joe Girardi. So clearly a guy that wanted being a little bit of a scapegoat because, as we know, David Dombrowski is really the problem there. That's a debate for another day, though, as the Angels, well, they didn't have anything going here. Chase Silseth. His start won five outs. He gave up four runs, all of which were including a pair of home runs. Going deep for the Philadelphia Phillies. This was Kyle Schwarber getting it a home run off of Silseth. 13th home run season then. I may, but yeah, would give one up to him. His 14th home run season. You would wind up having the first home run of the season for Bryson Stott. Wind up coming off of Silseth, and then Bryce Harper would go deep off of I may, but yeah, as well. Not just once, but twice. 11th and 12th home runs of the season for Badia. Gives up three home runs, four innings in total, giving up six runs. And then from there, you were able to get two and a third inning scoreless out of Andrew Wants, which was good. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, Zach Eflin, pretty Eflin good. Eight scoreless settings, and then James Norwood. Closes the door for a scoreless setting. The St. Louis Cardinals, they laid it on the Chicago Cubs. 14-5 the final for the Cubs. It was not necessarily their day, and the bullpen over the last two weeks has been darn near the worst out there in the big leagues. But this is really on Marcus Stroman. Nine runs given up over the course of four innings, including three bombs. He would have Frank Schwindel, position player, come in for an inning. He gave up two home runs himself, both solo jobs. And then Mark Leiter Jr. gives up three runs over the course of four innings, but no home runs going deep for the St. Louis Cardinals. Paul Goldschmidt, 12th home run season. He would have Austin Dickerson get his first two home runs of the season. Lars Newtbar would get his first home run of the season. And then Nolan Gorman goes deep for his third as Miles Michaelis. Not saying this was a great start. Gives up four runs in five innings, including home run, but got the W. And then Zach Thompson comes in in four innings of relief, giving up a run. These two have a double dip on Saturday, so they were trying to preserve as many arms as possible as Patrick Wisdom wanted going deep. 12th home run season, but the Cardinals now 30-22, and 22, so they've been able to do a solid job. It was a bullpen game for the San Francisco Giants, but it was a good one, 15-6. to 6. They wind up taking down the Miami Marlins, and this is a San Francisco Giants team that they've sort of been all over the place recently. It has been very intriguing to take a look at them, but I do believe that they have played something in the neighborhood of like 8 out of their last 11 games over the total as in this one for the San Francisco Giants, Brandon Crawford gets his fifth home run season. 13th home run of the campaign for Jack Peterson. Mike Ustremski is fifth. Joey Vossler gets his third home run of the season. And Thario Strada is third for the Miami Marlins. They use Richard Blyer as an opener. Gave up a run in an inning, 
Little did we know that he would do much better than the man following him. Eliezer Hernandez gave up four bombs, eight runs in total over the course of four and a third innings. He leads the MOB in terms of home runs surrendered as, I'm not even kidding here, 18 home runs given up in 48 innings. That's not great. Lewis said from there, gives up six runs in one and two thirds innings. He had a 1-1-3 ERA entering into June. It is now 550. Cole Solzer gives you a scoreless settings, and then Williams Estadio was able to give you a scoreless setting as for the Giants or bullpen game involved getting out there. Donovan Walton for an inning. He gave up three runs. Jarlon Garcia gives up one run in two innings. Zach Liddell, two scoreless settings. John Breba, the opener, gave you a scoreless setting, and then you wound up having two runs given up in three innings by Sean Higeli, who is six foot eleven. I believe that he's the tallest man to ever pitch in an MOB game. It was a tall task for the Guardians to be able to overtake the Baltimore Orioles, but they were able to do so. 6-3, to three, the final. Shane Bieber fever, 11 punch-outs. This looked like the Bieber of old. Gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. Daniel De Los Santos from there gives up a run with two outs on the bullpen. Eli Morgan gets the next out of the eighth inning before Emmanuel Class A comes in. He winds up giving the team a save with a scoreless setting in for the Baltimore Orioles. You wind up having Bruce Zimmerman. Two ends on Zimmerman. Give up 10 hits and five and two-thirds innings. Five runs in total. You wind up having two innings out of the bullpen from Denny Reyes giving up a run. You had Logan Gillespie giving out out of the bullpen and Felix Batista a scoreless inning before the Orioles. Another relatively tough one in this one. And for the Cleveland Guardians, all of a sudden, this has been a team that has really been able to do a nice job of being able to rip the cover off the balls. This is a bunch that they have scored at least four runs and now each out of their last four games. You wind up seeing the Minnesota Twins go on the road as right around a $2 underdog and closing numbers. And they take down the Toronto Blue Jays by kind of 9-3. to three. Byron Buxton winds up going deep for the first time since Nam. He winds up getting his 12th home run in the season. He needed that one. You wind up having Kyle Garlick get his 5th and 6th home runs of the season. Then a little bit of an unlikely source of power as Mr. Jose Miranda was able to go deep. He winds up getting home runs number 3 and 4 as you say Kikuchi got destroyed in this one. Giving up 4 runs in 4 and 2 thirds innings including 3 bombs. From there Trevor Richards gives up 2 runs in 1 and a 3rd innings. He wound up getting 5 outs out of Jeremy Beasley. He wound up allowing that home run to Bucks in 2 runs in total. He wound up having Andrew Vasquez give up a run while getting just 1 out and Julian Merriweather. Only pitcher to step foot on the mound for the Blue Jays did not give up a run. He had a scoreless setting as Liguero Jr. George Springer both had a home run in this one off of Chichi Gonzalez. Gonzalez gives up Guerrero's 11th home run season and Springer's 10th as not a great start from him. He winds up giving up those two home runs, three runs in total over the course of three innings, but six scoreless innings out of this Minnesota Twins bullpen as you have Josh Smith, Griffin Jacks, Giovanni Moran. I'll give you a scoreless setting, and then Jarrell Cotton was able to give you two scoreless settings. Ty Duffy, the Duff man, also able to give you a scoreless setting. So the Twins, well, 31 and 23. I thought that that price was a little bit off. Turned out to be the case. The Dodgers back online. They have now been able to cover the run line in their last two games, getting convincing wins over the Mets. Six to one, the final in this one. Chris Bassett. Taking hook, line, and sinker gives up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of six innings, including a pair of home runs. Cody Bellinger gets a sixth home run season, and then Zach McKinstry is first. You did wind up having Chris Taylor go deep off of Steven Nagosich for a sixth home run season for Nagosich. He winds up going one and a third innings, giving up that home run, and Joey Rodriguez gives up a run while getting a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Lone form of offense for the Mets in this one. Pete Alonso, 14th home run season. That comes off of Yancey Alamante, who gave up a run in an inning. Tyler Anderson continues to be very solid. For the LA Dodgers, he now leads the league and wins with seven six scoreless innings out of him. Caleb Ferguson, along with Danny Hudson, are able to combine for two scoreless innings as well. The Boston Red Sox, they hit the road, they take down the Oakland A's by a count of 7-2. And for the Oakland A's, not necessarily going so well for this offense. This is a bunch of 
They have scored four runs or fewer in now, I believe, five out of their last six games. As for the Boston Red Sox, Nathan Eovaldi, very good start here. Six scoreless settings he did have. Tyler Danish give up a run in an inning, and Matt Stram gives up a run in a third of an inning. But John Schreiber, pair of outside the bullpen. Ryan Brazier, a scoreless setting. And for the Red Sox, Sandra Bogarts wound up being the main form of offense. Sixth home run season. He goes deep off of James Caprillion, who winds up giving up four runs in five and a third innings. From there, Domingo Acevedo gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Sam Ball gives up one run in two-thirds of an inning. Sam Selman, Austin Pruitt, they combine for two scoreless innings. And you do get a pair of outs out of Parker Markle out of the bullpen, but certainly not what the A's were hoping for. They are now 20-34 and 34. And for the Boston Red Sox. They did wind up taking a few L's against the Reds, but all of a sudden, they've been able to get things online themselves. The Houston Astros, they've certainly gotten things online. 10-3, to they wind up taking down the Kansas City Royals as for the Houston Astros, they wind up getting all their runs in the first six innings as this was not a good start for Brady Singer, giving up seven runs over the course of five innings. Singer was a sing in the blues. Ronald Bolanos winds up giving up three runs in a third of an inning from there, and then you do wind up having scoreless innings out of Josh Shamont and Jose Cuas. You wind up getting one and two-thirds innings scoreless out of Taylor Clark as well. Bobby Wood Jr. just wind up getting his seventh home run season off of Jose Arikidi. Arikidi gives up three runs over the course of six innings, but then from there, you do wind up having Seth Martinez give the team two scoreless innings. Phil Mate and Blake trying they combine for a scoreless inning for Astros team that they lead the league in terms of bullpen and going deep for the Astros in this one. Elamendi ZS, third home run season. Jordan Alvarez, 15th home run season. And Martin Maldonado boosts his batting average to a buck 45. He gets his fourth home run of the campaign. And then you wind up seeing the Seattle Mariners go on the road. They get the job done against the Walker Texas Rangers. 4-3 the final for the Seattle Mariners. Pair of home runs in this one. Cal Raleigh, fifth home run season, then one that they really needed. And Eugenio Suarez, his 10th home run season. That comes off of Joe Barlow. This has been a Rangers bullpen that by and large has been solid. And for Dane Dunning, not a bad start here. Gives up two runs over the course of seven innings, including that one home run that was to Cal Raleigh. Matt Bush, scoreless settings, but then Barlow. He winds up giving up that home run, two runs in total over the course of his inning. And for the Texas Rangers, did wind up having Nate Lowe be able to get his fifth home run season. That comes off of Ronisi Ellis. Ellis winds up coming in. He winds up giving up that run in his inning of work. And for Logan Gilbert, continues to be rock solid. No decision here, but two runs, one of which was earned, give it up over the course of six innings before Penn Murphy and Paul Seawold are able to give you a scoreless inning. So that's been interesting to take a look at that, West to say the least. And what else has been interesting? The hot shell Tampa Bay Rays. They get the job done against the Chicago White Sox, 6-3 the final. Vince Velasquez, scratch, just before the start, so Davis Martin had to come in. Probably did better than Vince Velasquez would have done, and he gave up four runs over the course of five and a third innings. Going deep for the Tampa Bay Rays, Randy Orozarena, sixth home run of the season. From there, you did have Bennett Sosa go one and a third innings, giving up a run. Matt Foster gives up a run in a third of an inning, and then you did wind up having a scoreless inning out of Tanner Banks, and then you do take a look at the White Sox, and you had Jose Abreu get his seventh home run of the season. That one wound up coming off of Shane McClanahan, who gave up two runs over the course of six innings. From there, Matt Weisler, along with a little bit of a new guy in Calvin Fotcher, he winds up being able to give you a scoreless inning. Colin Pooch gets the final out of the game after Sean Armstrong. He wound up giving up a run in two-thirds of an inning for the Chicago White Sox. Certainly has been a little bit of rough sliding for the team. They've been without Tim Anderson for quite a while. They have now lost four straight games and Take a look at it ever since they wound up sweeping that series against the New York Yankees. Certainly has been going far from great for them. And if you're looking at something that 
has been pretty terrific. It's been the way that bookmakers have been able to gauge these totals as they've done a nice job of being able to adjust ever since we wound up seeing that big giant binge of unders at the beginning of the season. If you take a look right now, it's been evening out a little bit more. 380 unders to 351 overs overall for the season. That's a 52% clip to the under. And if you're looking at favorites, they are 460 and 308 straight up. That's 59.9%. But among these 460 favorites, they'll be able to win straight up. They have only been able to cover the run line 338 times. So that means 122 games have had the favorite win by approximately one run. That's even more demonstrative with home favorites who are 290 and 198. But these home favorites, they have only been able to cover the run line 200 times. So 90 times the home favorite has won by approximately one run. And if you take a look at the last seven days, we have seen overs and unders be a little bit more shaded to the overs. 54 overs to 4,300. That's 55.5% to the over and in this time span. Underdogs. 39 and 58. We've seen a lot of big underdogs cash, but on the smaller underdogs, they've had a little bit of a tough time of it. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Friday, and that's what we're seeing overall. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to our good friend Ben Wilson about the Milwaukee Brewers, what we're going to be seeing in Coors Field, and just some of the division leaders and taking a look at that market as well with regards to some futures. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the Eason Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. 
it's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts, and it is great to be joined by our guest as this man does a whole lot of work. Ben Wilson, absolutely amazing worker over there at the Vegas Ads and Information Network, as you're able to hear him every Sunday on the run line. That is from 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific time. If you're looking out there on the East Coast, 8 to 10 every Sunday. He is typically on with Adam Burke. And on top of that, he does a lot of play-by-play work when it comes to arena football along with baseball. And matter of fact, as I do this interview right now with him, he's out there at LAX preparing for his next game. So, Ben, tireless man, and you're able to follow him on Twitter at Ben underscore Wilson and then another underscore and then the number one. And, Ben, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Oh, Greg, as always, a massive pleasure. Yes, I found maybe the only quiet nook of lovely LAX International Airport. That's just for you, Greg, okay? You know how much I value the podcast. So thanks, as always, for having me on. It is always a pleasure, my friend, and it is great that we've had the start to the season that we've had. We're about two months in thus far, both of us. We are gentlemen from the great state of Wisconsin, and I do think that it is interesting to take a look at this Brewers team because I've been a little bit bearish on them. I do feel like this schedule was a little bit easy for them at the beginning of the season, but that said, with the falters of the Dodgers against, of all teams, the Pittsburgh Pirates in recent days, the Mets going down with some injuries, I do feel a little bit better about this Brewers team in terms of hierarchy of the National League. I don't know where you stand on them. I certainly can't put them in front of the Dodgers or anything like that. But I feel like after about two months of the season, I've been a little bit more impressed by them than I thought I'd be to this point. Yeah, it's really interesting, Greg. And it seems like the conventional wisdom on the Brewers, especially with the injuries we just saw about a week ago with first Freddie Peralta and now Brandon Woodruff, is to say, all right, well, this team, they are really great top-heavy pitching team, but the hitting has just been super inconsistent, so you can't really trust them. And it's funny, watching the start of this year, I've almost taken the opposite approach with them, where I actually think they're, as a lineup from a hitting perspective, they've been pretty unfortunate in a lot of respects. I mean, they're basically middle of the pack right now, WRC+, but they're seventh in hard hit percentage, and yet they're 24th in bat hip. So they're hitting a lot of balls hard. They've been stringing together a lot of good ABs. They just haven't been rewarded for it so far. And I think when you get a player like Christian Yelich, who he has been the guy who people have pointed to any sort of offensive struggles over the last couple of years and said, okay, this is your culprit. And you look at what he's done recently. Since he hit for the cycle against the Reds, 14 of 74, 23 strikeouts, nary a long ball and one, and one RBI. So I think, Greg, there's this tendency to say, okay, without, your, without two of your top three starting pitchers, which is the perceived way in which the Brewers have a lot of value from the futures market, 
what else are you really getting? And I'd almost say with the way Yelich has struggled and with the way Andrew McCutcheon, he finally got out of a, you know, was it 0 for 30 slump with a walk off the other night against the Padres. This offense is actually somewhat undervalued just because of the way we, we look at Yelich, we look at his struggles, and we look at how inconsistent they've been. But I have to think this offense is, is going to get more consistent as now we get into that summer stretch here in Miller Park, I should say American Family Field, formerly Miller Park, plays really, really favorably to hitters in the summer months and Rowdy Telez is quietly Greg on pace for like a 30 homer 100 RBI pace season he's at a over 120 WRC plus right now so I would say I'm actually a lot more bullish than most people on the actual lineup I'm curious your take on the bullpen because the bullpen and it's funny how we say okay some of these top level hitters have struggled so everybody says well there's no offense in Milwaukee flip side here you have Josh Hader who is putting together basically one of the best reliever seasons we've seen since I mean Eric Gagne won the 2003 Cy Young and people are saying okay well this is an elite bullpen as long as you have the lead into the seventh you're guaranteed to get the win and I've actually been a little bit disappointed with the rest of their pen outside of Hader I'm curious your thoughts on on that Greg I haven't really felt like there's a lot of depth there and there have been a lot of guys who are getting taxed throwing a lot of innings who just are not really the sorts of arms you want to be riding into October so that's actually my worry right now it's not really the hitting I feel pretty confident that the hitting will sustain this Milwaukee team but when you've got two of your top starters out and you've got a bunch of unproven bullpen arms outside of Hader and Devin Williams for that matter as well that's what would give me concern at least in the interim Greg right now so that's kind of where I'm sitting on the Brewers still have that preseason NL Central futures on them at minus 170 I'm not interested in hedging off of that by taking a piece of the Cardinal I feel pretty good about that but it's this pen that's actually given me more cause for concern than anything else for them right now I've been actually a little bit impressed by Brad Boxberger as we do have Ben Wilson joining me on the podcast and I thought that Aaron Ashby was that perfect long guy now he has been thrusted into the starting rotation due to all the injuries and as a matter of fact He's going to be going up against Mackenzie Gore on Saturday. That is going to be a matchup of two very good young pitchers, so I'm very excited for that. But to your point, with regards to the rest of the bullpen, I think that the injury to Jake Cousins has hurt them a little bit as well. To your point, guys like Brent Suter, whenever he's been out there, because we haven't seen him in a while, John Dell, Gustave, I agree with you. These guys do give you a little bit of worry. Devin Williams, towards the beginning of the season, didn't necessarily look so terrific. Here, here in the last, I would say, month or so, he has looked significantly better. So I think that that's a very good sign for the team. But I do think that it's really those, we'll call it sixth and seventh innings, that are going to be big. Because I do take a look at someone like an Aaron Ashby, who's now thrown into the rotation. And I liked what I saw out of him in his last start against the Chicago Cubs. And I think Aaron Ashby is really starting to put it together as a starter. I had liked him a little bit more as a bullpen piece. Wasn't sure if he was there as starter, but last few times out, he's been terrific. No, I'm really high on Ashby too, Greg. And that's part of why I've had some of the causes for concern with the bench. Because Ashby was a guy who was such a fluid piece, Craig Council could use him in so many different ways. And now that he's in the rotation, I love his stuff. He's a great pitch arsenal, a really crafty lefty. I think his numbers aren't you know, super impressive right now, but by the end of the season, he's going to be locked in as a, as a really solid fourth starter for the Brewers. But yeah, by taking him out, I mean, Brent Suter has sort of fallen off. It seems like his whole career he's done it with smoke and mirrors, Brent Suter, but you know, over a 5 ERA right now. When he and he and Hobie Milner have now turned into your two situational lefties who they give up a lot of hard hit balls. They're not exactly guys who are, you know, you're not really afraid of facing them if you're going late inning. So that's the interesting thing. I, I just, I'm, and I'm, I think you make a lot of really good points, but I mean, they're fifth right now in bullpen exit, fourth in, in least hard hit percentage allowed, but they do walk a lot of guys. And I always, it always worries me when you have, relievers and Devin Williams falls into this category he's looked really really good at times and, and he's looked like he has no idea where the ball's going at times and right now what nearly six walk per nine inning ratio right now for Devin Williams so I think his stuff is almost so good that it's almost the 
you know, the, the classic case of his stuff is so good that it's hard for him to locate because there's just so much movement on his changeup and his sinker, oh, yes. and it's hurt him at times. So that that's to me the interesting thing to watch here. But uh, Trevor Gott's the guy I've actually I've been really impressed with. Who I was not, and you mentioned the Jake Cousins injury. Wasn't expecting Gott to really be a factor, but he's come out and I know he had the injury to his quad and missed some time early in May. But I've been super impressed by him. His numbers compared to Devin Williams are not all that dissimilar. Fewer strikeouts certainly, but a much better walk rate. I think he's going to be a guy who settles in really nicely to that. Seven inning, seventh inning role. He's sort of, to me, Greg, the best candidate out there to replace those Cousins innings. And if, if they find the consistency with him and if Williams can figure out some of the command issues down the stretch, then yes, I think you revert back to a bullpen that from seventh inning on is, is just absolutely untouchable. Yep, I do agree with you. I do think that Brewers thus far this year, they've had a very nice season and starting to warm up on them. Certainly you could use Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff back and I should say Brandon Woodruff from last year, not necessarily the one from this year, as he had been struggling prior to going on the Angeles, but certainly that's going to be something to watch for us. We do have Ben Wilson joining me on the podcast, and we talked about the Milwaukee Brewers, and they've been doing a solid job. How about the team that was in Milwaukee before the Brewers? The Atlanta Braves, I know that you're intrigued by this game. They're going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Colorado Rockies, and shock, shock, surprise, surprise, out there in Coors Field. It is going to be the highest total on the board, but what do you make out of this game? Because right now, as I'm seeing it, we've got Spencer Strider going on the mound for the Braves and Kyle Freeland on the bump for the Rockies. Total of about 11.5 with the Braves finding themselves anywhere between minus 150 and minus 155. Don't disagree on them being the favorite. I think they've went up a little bit too far, though, for the sort of season that they've had to this point. Right. I mean, and look at I mean, the NL East as a whole, where you have the Phillies, Can, Joe Girardi, and, and the Braves just seems like they're just still stuck in the mud here. It's just amazing to where we sit now. The first weekend in June, it's a double-digit lead for the Mets. I mean, who, who would have had that? But yeah, what's interesting about the Braves, so I've watched a lot of Spencer Strider early in the season. I was super impressed. And it seems like the Braves, I don't know what it is, Greg. It seems like every year the Braves just find two or three of these no-name relievers you've never ever heard of who come out and just start throwing BBs and darts and it's like where do they find these guys they've had so many good arms over the years but what's interesting was for Strider who was sitting at what was it a 14 strikeout per nine rate and you know a guy a guy who throws 99 pretty regularly out of the pen they move him into the starting rotation last week goes to Phoenix and that start at Arizona and they got a ton of hype the betting market was really behind him in support and he really struggled he hadn't pitched more than four innings in relief I always felt like for guys like that Greg who are super young he only had two major league appearances last season when he was a late season call up for the Braves but for guys like that who have just electric stuff and are amazing out of the pen really hard to make that transition at least right away to the starting that starting rotation it's just such a different mentality and Strider was brutal in that start against Arizona not you know it's a team who's gotten a lot better the Diamondbacks but you don't really think of them as remember i mean arizona hit 180 in the month of april you don't exactly think of them as the you know 1927 yankees but gives up five earned in four and a third now you go to coors it's a really tough matchup and you look at the rockies these last three games at coors 15 runs 25 runs 19 runs i'm really not too high on strider once again i'm really high on him long term but i i really believe this is going to take some time to figure out that transition as a starter not exactly easy to go into coors for your second career start and on the other side, Kyle Freeland, it's a little concerning that the walk rate is basically the same as where it was at back in that 2019 season. You know, you remember, Greg, I mean, 3-11 with a near 7 ERA. Like He did a really good job of controlling the walks, getting the command back in order over the last two years. But I'm concerned about Freeland that 
that the numbers have gone back. His fastball velocity is down a couple miles an hour. Harder hit rates, 42%. So this to me, even though, again, as you mentioned, highest total on the board, and it, and it should be, over 11.5, that's a play that really intrigues me. We've already seen both of these pens get really, really taxed, especially from early in the series. So that's where I'd be looking at. I'm curious your thoughts on Strider uh, long-term. I, I love the guy long-term, but at least for this start, it's a, it's a tough ask for a young guy still trying to you know, figure out his place in the starting rotation. I'm in total agreement with you as we do have Ben Wilson of Beeson joining me on the podcast. And when it comes to Spencer Strider, I am right there with you. I do think that this is a guy that during the long term, in a few years, I think that he's actually going to be a very good starter for the Atlanta Braves. But as of right now, I really cannot get behind him just because of what you wanted talking about. He just needs to be lengthened out a little bit more. And you can tell that the command in his last start against the Arizona Diamondbacks did not wind up going his way. He wound up having a little bit of a rough start to that start and after the first inning it seemed like he was able to simmer down just a little bit because you may recall he did wind up giving up a three-run homer in the first inning but certainly that was a little bit of an issue for him so I do take a look at Spencer Strider and a few years from now very high on him but I feel sort of the same way that I do about Tucker Davidson as well of the Atlanta Braves and that I feel like in a few years these guys are going to be rock solid but right now I take a look at the Atlanta Braves and Unless if they wind up really putting together a magical second half like they were able to last season, I just don't know if there's much upside with this team this year because I take a look at the roster and I feel like the World Series title that they got last year was magnificent, but they wound up losing quite a few pieces from that roster from a season ago, and this is just clearly not the same team. Yeah, and isn't this the classic case too, Greg? And I know there's the old adage, you know, the, the smart bettors, they only bet numbers, they don't bet teams, and that's obviously, that's nice to say, but it's really hard in practice to actually to actually be blind to the, you know, to the actual team and the name on the front of the jersey. But this, to me, I mean, it could not be a more classic case of if you had any other team besides the New York Metropolitans leading that division by double-digit games right now, and another team outside of you know outside of a Braves group that just won a World Series, we're seeing the odds. I mean, the Brewers are a heavier favorite than the Mets right now to win the division, and the Brewers have what a two-game lead over the Cardinals in the division. Like to me, it's insane that the Mets are not being priced more favorably in the market. And I don't know if you agree. It just seems like because it's the Mets, because we've seen this story before, because we've seen the injuries. I guess there's just not a lot of people who really buy it, but. And I don't know how you could make the Mets only. I think a couple days ago, I saw them minus 230 favorite to win the division. And at the same time, the Brewers, who had who had an eight-game fewer cushion, are minus like 400 in, in the central. I, I just don't understand that. And I tend to agree with you, especially on the Braves. I mean, could they turn it around? And is the talent there? Yes. but And especially, too, a Mets team doing it without Jacob deGrom the entire season and you know, without a couple of really key contributors. I'm with you. I don't see a path forward. It's not like, it's not like the Phillies can just f- expect to fire Joe Girardi and all of a sudden they're bullpen becomes elite like that's not happening overnight and nobody else can challenge in that division if you go deeper down so I completely agree with what you're saying I just wonder if this was not the Mets if this was you know insert team X here and if it wasn't a team in the Braves position who just won a World Series I think the conversation would be totally different the betting market number would probably be different as well yep I am in total agreement with you as you do take a look at that East you mentioned it with the Phillies and the Braves it's been a little bit tough for both of those teams I like the upside in a few years for the Miami Marlins I think that they could be one of those classic pesky teams that gets the 500 when it's all said and done at the end of the year, but they're clearly not going to be able to contend with the Mets just because they don't have enough hitting. And then, well, you've got the Washington Nationals who are currently 9-18 and 18 at home this year, and yeah, it's not going well. Perhaps Steven Strasburg could get a couple Ws in the win column for them, but 
certainly they are not going to be contending anytime soon. So I am in lockstep with you, the Mets, as we're doing this podcast right now. Nine and a half game lead. No other team in the National League has more than a four game lead. And as a matter of fact, there's no other team in baseball has more than a six half game lead in their division. That would be the Houston Astros and a man that is always a leader, a man that is always doing tremendous work. That'd be you, Ben. You want him doing this interview from LAX. So I do appreciate that. That just shows. <laughs> The hard work that you're willing to put in, but I hey, I'm a man of the a people, lot. Greg. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. And I know that you do a lot with regards to your play-by-play work. I know you've been doing a lot of arena slash indoor football. I know you've been doing a little bit with regards to baseball as well. And then obviously over at Beeson, you do the run line every Sunday. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, that's uh, Ben underscore Wilson underscore one. People love to give me a hard time about the underscores. All right, I made the handle in high school as a freshman. I vowed never to change it, so that's my standard response, Greg. I'll actually be filling in this week on a primetime action, so hosting that a couple days for the start of the week on VEASAN Monday and Tuesday. So people can, uh, we'll have Pete Rose on the show Monday, which will be a pretty fun show. So you'll be, have to be on the lookout for that. But it is always, Greg, a super duper pleasure coming on the show. It's always great to talk some baseball with you, my friend. It's always great to get Ben on this podcast. The man, much like myself, began his life out there in the great state of Wisconsin. Now is doing amazing work over there at VEASAN. And you just heard him. He's going to be stepping into a nice big role next week. So he is going to be highlighted very well. And it's going to be a lot of fun. To take a look at those shows as Ben brings it every single time he is on the network and every single time he's on this podcast. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. 
And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always a pleasure to get Ben Wilson on. He does the terrific work with us over here at Vsin. He does the show, The Run Line, every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific Time. That would be 8 to 10 Eastern Time, our specialty baseball show. And on top of that, as you heard, you're going to be able to hear him all week long on primetime action. So good to see him stepping up to the big leagues. Good to see him getting a nice big role there and always does great work on this podcast. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. Going to be going on the Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom, so that should be able to keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there, though. With that said, we are going to have a double header to start with, and that is going to be very messy because we've got a lot of to be determined pitchers with that, so I'm going to do my absolute level best on that one, but. Do know that there's probably going to be some changes with this one as we don't have any numbers up for either of these games as it's going to be 951-952 on the betting board and then after that on the betting board it is going to be 961-962 between the Cardinals and the Cubs. Now with the Cubs we do know both of their starters as it's going to be Matthew Swarmer who's going to be going in game one for them and then in game two Caleb Killian is going to be getting the start. It seems as though Packy Naughton is going to be getting the start for the Cardinals in one of these games. We don't necessarily know which one, but we're probably going to be getting Packy Naughton, and then 
for the St. Louis Cardinals, it's going to be some sort of a bullpen game. We were thinking that it might perhaps be Zach Thompson. He came in in relief for multiple innings yesterday, so that knocks him out of the fold. So, yep, it's a pretty convoluted picture, but with that said, I think that Packy Don is going to be going in Game 1, and if he does wind up going up against Swarmer, I want up placing the Cardinals as a minus-111 favorite end. With regards to the wind in this one, right now I'm seeing it blowing in a little bit. It's going to be a little bit more of a directional wind when it comes to what we're going to be getting out there in Wrigley Field. So it's not necessarily going to be blowing out, not necessarily going to be blowing in. It's going to be a little bit more directional. So that is able to help things out a little bit. And with regards to Naughton against Swarmer, if we do wind up getting this, eight or less going to be looking at an over eight and a half higher to the under if you do wind up getting Mr. Swarmer against Naughton for Swarmer in his first career start against the Milwaukee Brewers. Six innings pitch, wound up giving up one run in a game in which the wind was blowing out. Now, he was also the victim of a few unearned runs as well. So, he wound up giving up more than just the one earned run, but that said, they weren't necessarily his fault. And this is someone that at the minor league level was able to do a relatively solid job. Not a guy that would get a bunch of swings and misses, but was able to locate fairly well. And for Packing on, not a guy that's necessarily stretched out. I can't think that he's going to be going more than four, maybe five innings. He did wind up getting a couple starts with the LA Angels last season. You take a look at him this season. Seven total games, two starts, 11 and two-thirds innings. He has given up a pair of homers, but he's got some good strikeout stuff. He's been able to get pretty much a strikeout per inning. He's been able to reduce the walks that we wind up seeing be an issue from in LA last year. Just one walk given up this season. And for the Cardinals, they do wind up packing up Mr. Naughton with a little bit of a better bullpen. Ryan Elsley this year. He's been able to give you a 0.48 ERA. Genesis Cabrera has been relatively solid. Giovanni Gallego says, well, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, to their credit, they did a relatively solid job of being able to save some bullets because they're going to need them, especially in Game 2, because in Game 2, I just have that penciled in as a bullpen game right now, which is why they did wind up using up Zach Thompson piggybacking off of Miles Michaelis yesterday. But you did take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals lineup itself. And with the Cardinals, this is a bunch that have been able to do a very solid job of being able to get stolen bases. Tommy Edmond and Harrison Bader both got stolen base number 14 yesterday. So this is a team that they're willing to get out there. They're willing to play some small ball. And for Paul Goldschmidt, he's on a 25-game hit streak. He's hitting a 350. He's got to be one of your top contenders with the MVP award here in the early part of the season. Brendan Donovan, young guy, is hitting right around a 300. Juan Yepes has been able to get on base for you. You've also got back in the fold after you wound up missing a few days. Nolan Gorman, he's ripping the cover off the ball. He's hitting a 350. Nolan has seen a little bit of regression from what he wound up doing towards the beginning part of the season, but still, he's got a double-digit amount of homers. He's hitting a 285, and that's just more than what you're able to throw out there with the Chicago Cubs. Now, with the Cubs, you do have a trio of guys in Rafael Ortega, Ian App, along with Christopher Morrell, in between a 260 to a 265, all with at least a 360 on base. Clint Frazier has not necessarily hit for a lot of power or gotten on base with regards to batting average, but 385 on base, so he's starting to draw his walks. Frank Schwindel had to double as a pitcher yesterday. He's been able to give you a little bit of hard contact, hasn't been able to draw his walks. And Patrick Wisdom, 12 home runs this season, but also striking out just a whole boatload. He's striking out in over 40% of his at-bats. And then you take a look at this Cubs bullpen, and they wound up saving part of it with Mark Leiter Jr. wind up coming in and throwing many innings yesterday, but Michael Rucker is someone that you really don't want to trust in. He's got right around a 4-ish ERA. 
Scott Efres, coupled with Rowan Wick, both of these guys have north of six ERAs over the last two weeks, so they've really started to regress. You're probably going to be looking at Daniel Norris getting some innings. That's not necessarily too terrific either, so that's why in game number one, if we do wind up getting not against former, wind up making the Cardinals a minus 111 favorite, and then with Caleb Killian against a Cardinals bullpen game, I want to make Killian a minus 121 favorite. This guy has been absolutely nasty in the minor league level, and I think that he is going to be able to come up, and I think that he is going to be able to do an absolutely superb job. You just take a look at the numbers that he's been able to put up at AAA Iowa this season, and this man currently has an ERA that's hovering right around at 206. His strikeouts per nine rate, that's right around a nine and a half. He doesn't wind up getting a whole bunch of swings and misses, but he gets a good job of being able to get soft contact. He has only given up one home run in 39 and a third innings thus far this season. And you take a look at what he was able to do last year at the minor league level. He had a 2.42 ERA, and that was his MO. 10 strikeouts per nine innings, which at the minor league level, neither great nor terrible, but he only wanted giving up right around a half home run per nine innings. This is someone that does a very good job of just pitching to his strengths and then with the Cardinals. Once again, they've got a very solid bullpen. They've got that good lineup as well. So if it is a bullpen game against Caleb Killian, and it looks like when it's going to be blowing out a little bit more towards the nighttime rather than the daytime, I would be setting this total to where in eight and a half or less, I'd be looking at an over a nine or higher to the under end with Killian. We'll be setting him as a minus 121 favorite. So underdog Swarmer, if he does wind up facing off against Packy Naughton and Naughton Swarmer, eight or less looking over eight and a half or higher to the under and then bullpen game against Killian, eight and a half or less looking over and made Killian a minus-121 favorite. Once again, subject to change, but hopefully I was able to, at the very least, give you guys a launching point with regards to both of those games in a little bit of a sticky situation. 953-954 on the betting board. Now we get to more clean situations as Arizona, the Diamondbacks, sitting the road facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ronsi Contreras is going to be going for the Buccos, and Zach Davies is on the bump for Arizona. Arizona's find themselves anywhere between minus 105 and plus 115. Meanwhile, with Pittsburgh, it's anywhere between minus 112 and minus 125. 8.5 is your total. Or is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. And when it comes to the Buccos, I want to make them a minus 118 favorite. So the minus 112, no, the minus 115, I'm willing to lay it. Seems like the numbers are starting to get hiked up a little bit just before I wanted coming on this podcast. The minus 122 that I'm seeing right now, that was at more like a minus 120-ish a little bit earlier. So you do want to be noting that, but as it sits right now, I am looking at the Pittsburgh Pirates on the money line just because with the Pirates, I like what I've seen out of Ronzi Contreras in his first few starts. He has given up a pair of homers in 17 and two-thirds innings that he did wind up getting a couple long relief appearances as well, but in his two starts against the Colorado Rockies and against the San Diego Padres, the Padres start being on the road. A combined two runs given up over the course of 10 innings. Pretty steady Eddie guy. He's able to get you some good swings and misses. Control needs a little bit of work, but still three walks per nine innings. That's ironically enough. A little bit better than his counterpart in Zach Davies, who he's given up more like 3.6, 3.7 walks for nine innings. Davies, he's been able to do a better job of giving up a little bit less recently, but still three plus runs given up in four out of his last five starts overall this year. A 4.84 ERA for Davies, 5.40 ERA on the road. He's given up four home runs in 18 and a third innings. That was really his bugaboo when he was with the Cubs last season. And you take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks team, and the bullpen is a little bit all over the place because you've got a couple guys that have come in and they've been able do a really good job. Sean Poppin, he's got himself a right around 260 ERA. Kyle Nelson has been terrific. And Joe Manat Tipley, 045 ERA. But then 
You got other guys out there like J.B. Wendelkin, who's got a north of a 4 ERA. Caleb Smith, a 6 ERA. Mark Melanson has not been terrific and is a former Pittsburgh Pirate as well. Then you take a look at this Pirates bullpen, and they've actually attributed for all but three of the wins thus far this season for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Wins have not been coming from the starters, but... This is also a bullpen that they've got their, shall we say, issues. Anthony Bonda now has a north of a 5 ERA. Tyler Beattie has not been able to do a good job for this team. You've had your ups and downs with some like a Bo Solzer, who's been up and down in terms of being at the major league level. Chris Strang is starting to figure it out, but he's still got a 4 ERA. But then David Bernard, Chase Young, they've got a sub-2 ERA. And then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Gabrian Ace has been able to do a very solid job of being reach base for this team. He's got nearly a 380 on base, hitting a 290 for this team. Michael Chavis, hitting nearly a 300 as well. Daniel Vogelback is back in the fold, probably the best power hitter for this team. And right now he's hitting at 6 home runs. That's something that you just don't wind up getting out of the Pirates. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they're averaging over 1.5 home runs per game on the road. That actually leads the big leagues. Christian Walker got home run number 14 yesterday. You've got Josh Rulas, who's now hitting above a 300. This has been a Diamondbacks team that all season long, they've been the worst team in terms of batting average out there in the National League. But now David Peralta has a 325 on base. Dalton Varsho is hitting above a 250. He's got eight home runs. Guitao Marte is hitting above a 250 along with Alec Thomas. So things are coming along for the team. I have much more faith here in the Arizona Diamondbacks lineup, but I have much more faith in the starter of Ronsi Contreras. I did wind up saying this hold at 80.3. It is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, so I do think that that's going to negate the fact that the Arizona Diamondbacks do have a little bit more power in the lineup. So at anything of a 118 or less, I'd be willing to lay it here with the Pittsburgh Pirates and semi-total at 8.3. So on the NF, looking under and at minus 118 or less, willing to lay it here with the Buccos. 955, 956 on the bang board. These since Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati, and they're on to playing us to the Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty Wap is going to be going for the Nats, and Tyler Molly is going to be on the bump for Cincinnati. The Reds are between a minus 130 and minus 135 favorite. Between plus 110 and plus 125 is the price on the Nationals. 9.5 is the total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between even a minus 105. And with the Cincinnati Reds, they might have seen them at a minus 133. So the minus 130s, which is predominantly what I'm seeing right now, I am going to be willing to lay that number with Cincinnati. Molly has been much better on the road than he has been at home recently as in the last two seasons since the start of the 2021 season, his road ERA is right around two points lower than his home ERA. That's a little bit strange, but you do take a look at what you're able to get on the flip side for Eric Fetty Wap, and he's been able to do a relatively solid job here recently, but I still do have my concerns with him in this spot. He does have a 460 ERA, home runs per nine rate, only right around 1.2, but four and a half blocks per nine innings. That is Really what winds up having you a little bit nervous about him. ERA on the road has been right around a 450. He's been pretty consistent home to road. But with that said, he's also coming off of a start in which he got four outs and he gave up six runs against the New York Metropolitans. That's not necessarily too terrific. And for Mr. Molly, swings and misses. No shortage there for him. Right around 10 punch outs for nine innings. He's been hurt by walks as well. He's given up right around four and a half walks for nine innings, which is why he's got a 553 ERA and... Really, neither of these bullpens are too trustworthy. I would trust in the Washington Nationals a little bit more, but Kyle Finnegan has north of a 4 ERA. 
Tanner Rainey has been able to do a relatively solid job for the team, but Steve Ciszek, Victor Rano, guys like this, they have not been too terrific. And then for the Cincinnati Reds, we've got two guys that Alexis Diaz, Jeff Hoffman, they've been pretty trustworthy this season. And Joel Kunal has been able to come on as well. He's got a sub-1 ERA, but Hunter Strickland, Art Warren, Tony Santin, all these guys with a north of 5 ERA, that is far from terrific. And for the Washington Nationals, prior to yesterday, they were having a shortage of offense. You just knew that they were going to be able to bust out because you got guys that have been able to get on base for the team. Josh Bell hitting above a 300 for this bunch. All of a sudden, now you're starting to get a little bit more power out of Lane Thomas. He wanted having a pair of home runs yesterday. That is a very good sign for this team. Juan Soto still stuck on 10 home runs, only a 225. I think that he's going to be able to pick it up as well, but Cesar Hernandez, Mikel Franco, Kiba Ruiz, all these guys are in between about a 260 to a 280, and then you take a look at the Cincinnati Reds, and they've been dealing with a little bit of an ailment to Tyler Stevenson, and we've been out there seeing a little bit of regression here in recent days. You've got Joey Votto who's starting to pick it up, and Tommy Pham, after he wound up giving the Will Smith slap to Jack Peterson last week, he went deep yesterday. He's been giving you a 345 on base. Albert Omora, he's been able to hit above a 300 and then got right around 285 out of Matt Reynolds as well. But I do think that this is a situation which Washington Nationals starting to pick it up a little bit more with the bats, but I really can't trust an Eric Fetty. I have no faith in either of these bullpens whatsoever. So at the 9.5, I'm looking over. I set my total at a 9.6 and with Bali. I think that with him being able to get more swings and misses and the Reds being a team that they hit a little bit better with men in scoring position and going into yesterday, a Reds team that has scored at least four runs in 17 out of their last 18 home games should be able to do enough to be able to prevail. So, one delay with the Reds and looking at this total over 957-958 on the bank board. The San Diego Padres and third face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Aaron Ashby is going to be going for the crew and Mackenzie Gore is going to be on the bump for San Diego. San Diego is finding themselves anywhere between even money and plus 110. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the crew, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 113 and minus 120 with your total 7.5 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And with this total, I did wind up sending it at a 7.3. I've been very impressed by what I've seen out of Mackenzie Gore this season. And for Aaron Ashby, I was a little bit down on him as a starter. I liked him a little bit more out of the pen, but last few starts, as we were talking about with Ben Wilson, this guy's been absolutely tremendous, and I think that he's really turned the corner as a starter. 270 ERA thus far this season. His strikeouts per nine rate, that's hovering right around an 11 right now, so he has been masterful, and you take a look at his last few starts, when it combined 11 and two-thirds innings, both road starts against the Cubs and the Padres, wound up giving up one run in those starts. They wind up lying five walks, that's a little bit too high, but also 17 strikeouts as well, so Aaron Ashby, absolutely nasty stuff. He's got very good offs speed pitches as well. And then for Mackenzie Gore, this guy's been nothing short of incredible as well. How about a buck 71 ERA? Give it up one home run in 42 innings. His walks per nine rate hovers right around a three-ish. So nothing great, nothing terrible there. But take a look at his last two starts. 13 innings, 15 strikeouts, one run allowed against the Pittsburgh Pirates and the San Francisco Giants with that giant start on the road. So both of these guys have been terrific. Now, Devin Williams, Josh Hader, both of these guys are relatively well-rested, which I think that that is going to be able to help out the Milwaukee Bears. We were touching upon that with our good friend Ben Wilson and Taylor Rogers, all of a sudden, he's looking a little bit less than trustworthy for the Padres, but you do have a couple other guys out there in the bullpen that I like. Tim Hill got off to a really rough start to the season, but since he's come back from injury, he's looked a little bit more solid. Craig Salmon, Robert Suarez, you're able to trust in these guys a little bit. And for the Padres, shall we say, it's a top-heavy lineup as you've got a pair of guys in Eric Osmer, Manny Machado, both hitting well above a 300, and then everyone else 
in that lineup. They've been having a tough time of it. You wound up having one other gentleman that wound up entering into Friday with an above a 235 batting average, and that'd be Nomar Mazzara, and he only raised wise because he had two at-bats. So, I mean, you really take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, you did not wind up having a single starter leave the game yesterday with above a 260 batting average because you've currently got Willie Adamas out due to injury, and on top of that, Hunter Renfro, he's been dealing with an ailment as well. You've got guys like Luis Urias along with Rowdy Tellez, Tyrone Taylor, Jace Peterson, in between about a 240 through 255. And for Tellez, he's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers, but just seen a little bit more out of this lineup when it comes to the San Diego Padres. So I think that they're going to have a tough time against Aaron Ashby. I absolutely love the way that he's pitching in. I think being backed up by Josh Hader along with Devin Williams, Really going to be proving big for him. So I did wind up saying the Brewers had a minus 127 favorite in what I think is going to be a very low-scoring game. I think that both of these teams going to have a tough time being able to put offense up on the board. But I do trust in those two relievers of the Brewers, coupled with Ashby, a little bit more in this spot. So looking at the crew, and I'm looking at the under. 959-960 on the betting board is going to be the DK Nation pick. As we've got the Miami Marlins. They're going to be playing us to the San Francisco Giants. Logan Webb is going to be going for the Giants and... Pablo Lopez is going to be going for Miami. Miami's finding themselves anywhere between minus 110 to minus 103. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Giants, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 105 to minus 110. Six and a half to seven is your total. On the seven, the under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. On the six and a half, over is minus 125. And the under is plus 105. And DK Nation pick going to be on the fish. Want to make them a minus 124 favorite. A little bit of this has to do with yesterday. Now, the San Francisco Giants were able to put up runs upon runs yesterday, but they wound up having to use the wholesale approach as they wound up having John Breba get the open and then Sam Hegeli, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, he had to fill three innings and it's the San Francisco Giants bullpen that they wound up getting taxed and after they wound up having the lone bullpen with a sub-3 ERA last season, they've been in the bottom 15 in terms of bullpen ERA this season. Now with the San Francisco Giants, they also did a good job of being able to rip the cover off the ball yesterday. Now you've got Jack Peterson clocking in with 13 home runs. Heath, Ario Estrada both hitting right around a 275. You've got Luis Gonzalez along Joey Bossler hitting above a 3 iron. Mike Bustremski, he's not far behind as well. But for the Miami Marlins, you've got guys who are able to get on base for the team as well. Ode Solaire has had a little bit of a tough time with the yards batting average, but a 315 on base with a double-digit amount of homers. Garrett Cooper, he's hitting a 290 for the team. Asus Aguiar, he's been an RBI machine for the team. Jazz Shislam, he's got right around 320 on base. He's been able to go deep right around 8-9 to nine times this season, and I do like their young catcher in Nick Fortes, who's been able to do a solid job, but you just take a look at how nasty Mr. Lopez has been able to do, and for one, very fun name to say, and for two, Buck 83 ERA this season. He's getting a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is a little bit north of two, and you can trust in him, in my opinion, a little bit more than Logan Webb, who Webb has that 5-1 record, but a 3.52 ERA, and a guy that clearly has been better at home than he has been on the road throughout his career. This year, the splits have been a little bit less demonstrative, 3.73 road ERA compared to a 3.30 home ERA. Last season, though, that was more like a buck 96 at home and a 4.08 on the road. So we sort of know what Logan Webb is on the road. It's a very badly depleted San Francisco Giants bullpen. Now with the Miami Marlins, they wound up having to throw out there quite a few bullpen pieces as well as they tried to utilize an opener for Eliezer Hernandez. It did not work as Eliezer Hernandez got just completely smoked 
in that game, so you had to wind up using up Lewis Head, but that said, Anthony Bass has been a very good contributor out there in the bullpen. Sub-2 ERA from him, Stephen Okert has been able to give you some very nice innings as well, so I do take a look at this situation, and you do have a pair of very solid starters, but I trust in Pablo Lopez quite a bit more at home than I do in Logan Webb on the road, so the DK Nation pick is going to be on the Miami Marlins money line. I did wind up saying the total at a 6.9. Currently, we're seeing mostly 7s, and at a 7, I am looking at an under, and with the DK Nation pick, I'm going to be taking a look at the Miami Marlins. 961-962, that's part of that Cardinals versus Cubs double dip. We already hit both of those games, so we go to 963-964 on the betting board. This is the Atlanta Braves in the red face off against the Colorado Rockies. Kyle Freeland is going to be going for the Rockies, and Spencer Strider is going to be on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta finds themselves anywhere between minus 145 and minus 155. Meanwhile, with Freeland and company, between plus 132 and plus 138 is your price. Anywhere between 11.5 and 12 is your total. On the 11.5, over is minus 120. The under is even. On the 12, under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even minus 105. And I did wind up saying my total at an 11.2. I think that we've went up a little bit too lofty here. I do think that after having a rough go of it in Arizona, Spencer Strider is going to be able to figure it out a little bit more. And for Kyle Freeland, certainly has been a bad start to the year for him, to say the least. But with that said, with Kyle Freeland, I do think that he's going to be able to figure it out a little bit more. He's someone that was born and raised in the state of Colorado. So he is used to pitching in these very strange conditions. And he's backed up by a Colorado Rockies lineup that sitting right around 45 points better at home than they are on the road as you got someone like Connor Joe, for instance. He wound up entering in the essay, hitting right around a 271, but at home, he was sitting more like a 300. You've got someone in CJ Crone, who he's been able to do a solid job this year, going deep 14 times, but 10 of those home runs, they've come at home. At home, he's got a batting average as hovering right around a 375. Jose Iglesias is hitting a 325 as well, so these guys have really been able to come through and for Atlanta. Overall, as a team, they're hitting right around at 220 on the road. you got to figure that that's going to improve with this series, as you do have Dansby Swanson and Austin Riley in between about a 265 to a 270, with Travis Arano hitting right around at 260 as well. Riley has been able to beat 14 times Ronald Cunha Jr., 400 on base for the team at Olsen, right around a 365 on base, so the batting average has been lacking a little bit. And then Orlando Arcia is starting to see some more at-bats, and I see you, my man. He's hitting above a 300. That's been solid, and for the Atlanta Braves, you do have a little bit more of a bullpen behind Spencer Strider. As you've been able to get some good innings all season long out of Jackson Stevens. He's been sort of piggybacked with Spencer Strider a little bit because he's a little bit more of a long guy. Sub-3 ERA when it comes to Strider himself. 3.45 ERA in that start against the Arizona Diamondbacks. They wind up allowing five runs in four and a third innings, but I do think that he's going to be able to shake it off. We did wind up seeing pitch four innings of scoreless baseball against the Milwaukee Brewers with eight punch-outs about a month ago, so this is someone that is capable of going four innings. I do think that you're probably going to need a little bit of length out of someone like a Dylan Lee, Colin McHugh. Guys are used to going multiple innings, and then for the Colorado Rockies, the big thing with Freeland is just being able to keep the ball down a little bit more. He's made 10 starts this far this season. 496 ERA has given up five home runs in 52 and two-thirds innings, but with that said, swing and miss stuff, it's right around seven half strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is hovering right around a four-ish as he's given up multiple walks in each out of his last five starts. But with that said, over his last three starts, he's given up right around nine-ish runs. I want to coming up against the Giants. The Pirates on the road and the Nationals on the road. So him being back at Coors Field, I think, could be a little bit beneficial for him because you got to figure that he's not going to pitch as bad as his 625 ERA would indicate. We remember a few years ago, I think that was 2018, in which he was just so dominant in terms of being a first five pitcher with the Colorado Rockies. Now he's backed up by a bullpen that is absolutely terrible. Tyler Kinley, son his part, he's got a sub-1 ERA, but, and Daniel Bard, he's been able to give you right around a three-ish ERA, but 
You take a look at Carlos Estevez, Justin Lawrence, Robert Stevenson, all these guys have at least a 540 on their ERA. Lucas Gilbreth, he's got a north of a 7 ERA, so that's a little bit of an issue as Rockies. Maybe not the worst bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues, but they also do have a very demonstrative home field advantage. Do you mind saying my total at 11.2? As a result, I'm going to be taking a look at the under and with the Rockies. Let's willing to take anything really north of a plus 110, so taking a shot on the Rockies, and I'm going to be taking a shot on the under 965-966 on the bank board. The LA Dodgers, they're going to be playing us the New York Metropolitan. David Peterson hoping to live up to the Peterson name for the New York Mets and Walker Beeler is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are finding themselves anywhere between minus 174 and minus 180. Meanwhile, plus price with the Mets is anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165. 8.5 is your total. Seeing some 8s out there as well on the 8. Over is anywhere between minus 120 minus 125. Under is between even a plus 105 on the 8.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 110. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. And with the Mets, I needed at least a plus 184 to be able to take a look at them. Now, David Peterson has actually been able to put together a halfway decent year. And Walker Buehler, he's got a north of four ERA at home. He's actually been much better on the road than he has been in Los Angeles this year. I do think that we're going to see a little bit of progression for him at home. And he's not been giving up the deep ball too much. Five home runs in 58 and two-thirds innings. Really what's been lacking for Walker Buehler has been getting swings and misses. 49 strikeouts in 58 and two-thirds innings. So right in that pocket, about seven to seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. David Peterson, he offers in that neighborhood as well. He's only given up two home runs in 29 and two-thirds innings. The big thing with him, though, is that he has given up two fewer walks than Walker Buehler. 13 walks for David Peterson, 15 for Walker Buehler. But David Peterson has pitched a half the amount of innings. So his walks per nine rate, that hovers right around a four. That is a little bit of an issue for him. And I just saw David Peterson last year sort of just be dangled going from like AAA to the major leagues, being adjusted with being a long reliever to a starter. And I want to messing with them a little bit now. I do take a look at this New York Mets lineup, and it is a very solid one. You've got a lot of guys that have been able to reach base. Pete Alonso last year led the big leagues in terms of home runs on the road. He had 13 going into Friday. He, along with Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte of the Marte Parte, Marcana, all in between about a 275 to a 293. J.D. Davis has been able to reach base as well. And the only guy in the lineup yesterday for the Mets that was hitting below a 250 was Eduardo Escobar, which that's actually very remarkable. Meanwhile, for the LA Dodgers, you do have a couple struggling bets. Cody Bellinger, just the last few years in general. It's been a hot mess for him. You take a look, though, at Gavin Lux. He's hitting a 280 for the team. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner. They're all laying at least a 289. Turner, I believe, wound up having a 25-game hit streak entering into Friday. And Betts, 16 home runs. He's right now got to be your front runner for the MVP. And for the Mets, it's a little bit of a hot and cold bullpen for this team. You did wind up letting go of Aaron Loop along with Miguel Castro last season. Some They've had to look to Adam Adovino. It's not necessarily been too terrific. Joey Rodriguez has a north of a four ERA. I like what I've seen out of Drew Smith, but not necessarily a ton of trustworthy options. And for the LA Dodgers, missing Phil Bickford along Blake trying has really hurt them. David Price has not really been able to figure it out this season. But Alex Vasilla, coupled with someone like an Evan Phillips, these guys have been relatively solid finds. Justin Brule has been able to give you right around a two-ish ERA as well. So I do think that this is a good opportunity for Walker Buehler to be able to get right at home. I don't want to necessarily lay the money line. I did wind up saying this 
more around a minus 184 in terms of the Dodgers. But if you take a look at what you're getting with regards to the Dodgers run line, finding it more around a plus 110, I was willing to take anything that was north of a plus 105. I wound up saying mine at a plus 106. So this is a situation which I'm going to be taking a look at that Dodgers run line, and I'm going to be taking a look with regards to this total at a under, as I wound up saying, my total at an 8.2, seeing the 8.5. I do think that Peterson going to be able to land an okay start. It is a nighttime game out there in Los Angeles. I do think the Beeler is going to be able to get online. So we're looking at an under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the LA Dodgers on the run line. 967, 968 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers hit the road. They're going to be facing off against the New York Yankees. Luis Severino is going to be going for the Yankees, and Bo Brisky is going to be on the bump for the Tigers. The Tigers find themselves anywhere between about two plus 225 to a plus 250 underdog. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Yankees, find them anywhere between minus 270 and minus 280 with eight being in total. The over is minus 120, and the under is even, and We'll just give out the run line right now of the New York Yankees. Yankees are anywhere between minus 125 is a low number. A high number I'm finding is minus 130 with a lot of minus 130s. With regards to this run line, I was willing to lay up to a minus 140 on this. So I'm going to be looking at the Yankees run line. I needed at least a plus 280 to take a shot here with the Tigers. I mean, this is a spot at which Brisky has been able to cash you. All right, one big ticket this season against the LA Dodgers. I don't know if Lightning is going to be able to strike twice. He's got a 525 ERA and a 7 starts in. Quite frankly, he's lucky to only have a 5.25 ERA. His home runs per nine rate is well north of two right now. His walks per nine rate, he's given up right around three and a half walks per nine. This is just not a guy that should be at the big league level right now. He's given up at least three total runs in four out of his last five starts. He's gotten four strikeouts or fewer in all five of those starts as well. So lots of issues here. And for Luis Severino, he's come back after missing the last just what we're going to call the last few seasons that he's been rather impressive. He did wind up giving up four runs in his last start against the Tampa Bay Rays, but you take a look at what Severino has been able to do at home, and right now he's posting up a 316 ERA across five starts, giving up three home runs at 25 and two-thirds innings, and what I do like about Severino is that he's been able to do a relatively solid job in terms of command as well. He's been giving up right around two and a half walks per nine innings, and he's backed up by a bullpen that is relatively solid, and we did wind up seeing the Tigers, who they've got a very good bullpen of their own. They really had to slice and dice into it after Elvin Rodriguez just wore it yesterday. He wound up giving up 10 runs and four bombs. That was not a pretty sight to see, but with that said, with regards to this Yankees, Bullpen, you are going to be without Chad Green. He wound up undergoing Tommy John surgery. That no doubt winds up putting this team behind the eight ball a little bit. Jonathan Wise gives me deal with an injury, but Wandy Peralta, along with Clay Holmes, both have sub-two ERAs for the team. Michael King has been a relatively reliable long guy. He's been getting touched up a little bit more recently. He's given up at least one run in four out of his last five appearances, but a guy that's able to give you multiple innings. And then you do take a look at the Detroit Tigers, and I will say Willie Peralta has been able to do a very solid job for the CML season long out of the bullpen, but the problem for the Detroit Tigers is where is the offense going to be coming from? I mean, you take a look at what they wanted turning out there yesterday. You had Willie Castro along with Harold Castro, both being guys being able to get on base with Harold hitting a 309, and the only guy outside of them that's currently hitting above a 225 for them is Miguel Cabrera. You just take a look at it. Jonathan Scope, Javi Baez, Jameer Candelario, Spencer Torkelson, Dez Cameron, Tucker Barnard, all these guys hitting a 225 or lower, and Barnard, only guy that's hitting above the Mendoza line of 200. Meanwhile, for the Yankees, you've got Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge. These two guys have a combined 32 home runs. The Tigers of the collective have 30. So two guys on the New York Yankees have more home runs 
than the entire collective of the Tigers. That's not necessarily too great. Miguel Anduar sitting at 280 for this bunch. Isaiah Kinnear Falefa has been able to get on base. He, along with DJ LeMayu, Matt Carpenter, all in between about a 255 to 275. Aaron Nix has done nothing for the team, but Josh Johnson is back. He's giving you right around 8.350 on base. So I do take a look at the Yankees. I do think that they are going to be able to just completely pound the Tigers into oblivion. So I'm looking at the Yankees on the run line. Set my total at 7.8 because I just don't know if the Tigers are going to be able to do their part on the total. You saw the Yankees get the overall by themselves yesterday. I don't know if that's going to be the case in this one. So I'm going to be willing to take an under, and I'm willing to take the Yankees on the run line. 969-970 on the bank board. The Toronto Blue Jays is going to be playing us to the Minnesota Twins. Dylan Don't Call Me Al Bundy is going to be on for the Twins, and Jose Barrios is going to be on the bump for Toronto. Toronto is anywhere between a minus 150 and minus 158 favorite, seeing as a minus 148 out there as well. Meanwhile, with the Twins, you're finding them in between plus 130 and plus 148. Nine is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 120 and plus 105. And the over, you're going to be finding that anywhere between even money and minus 125. So this one is all over the place, but... I did wind up saying the Blue Jays at a minus 155 in this spot. So I'd be willing to take a look at the money line. If you're looking at the run line of the Jays, finding it anywhere between a plus 130 to a plus 140. I needed at least a plus 130 to be able to take a shot here. I set mine at a plus 127. Typically, they go in increments of five cents. So need at least a plus 130, and we have gotten there. So I would rather reduce the juice. I'm going to be taking a look at the run line personally because I do think that things can get relatively airbrained with regards to this total. You've got a guy in Dylan Bundy who is right now posting up a 476 ERA, and as has always been the case for him throughout his career, giving up the deep ball right around one and a half home runs. Per nine innings, far from ideal there. Now, a lot of this is due to his start against the Baltimore Orioles, in which he wound up giving up nine runs in that one, but a 7.50 road ERA for Dylan Bundy compared to a 0.57 at home. That is a big, giant discrepancy right there. And then you take a look at Mr. Jose Barrios. He's always been throughout his career better at home than on the road. And shock, shock, surprise, surprise. Same thing this season. 3.15 home ERA, 7.28 road ERA, giving up two home runs in 20 innings at home, seven bombs in 29 and two-thirds innings on the road. He's always been a much better home pitcher, and you do take a look at this Minnesota Twins lineup, and they're starting to get the boom going, and this despite the fact that Byron Buxton has not been too terrific for the team this season. Sitting at 2.10, he's not been able to hit too many home runs recently, but who you've had being able to pick it up, guys like Kyle Garlick, Nick Gordon, Gio Urshela, Max Kepler, all these guys in between a 250 to a 270. Trevor Larnich is hitting at 275. Luis Arias, 430 on base. Ore Palanco has had a little bit of a rough go, but he's starting to pick it up. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, this is a bunch at entering Indy yesterday. They have four plus runs in eight consecutive games, and they seem to be getting online as well. George Springer, Flagger, Jr., both wound up going deep yesterday. Both of these guys, double digit amount of homers, both with at least 340 on base percentages. Oscar Hernandez, you wound up having a cataclysmically bad start to the season, but you take a look at what he's been able to do over the last, we're going to call it, seven or so days, and he's been hitting above a 400 in this time span if you want to go to last 14 days. He's hitting more like a 250, so starting to come along for him. Danny Jansen has been able to give you some homers. He's hitting right around a 325 with regards to his on base, and same goes for Santiago Espinel, but you also do take a look at this Toronto Blue Jays bullpen. Julian Merriweather has not been good for the team. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that, but got a few guys like a Jordan Romano. They're able to do a relatively solid job, and for the Minnesota Twins, maybe Begun to regress a little bit. Danny Columbi is currently on the injured list. 
We have noticed that Yohan Duran has really been able to light it up with regards to radar gun. He right now has the most 100 plus mile per hour pitches out there in the big leagues. And you've actually had Emilio Pagan perform a little bit better, but he's starting to get shelled a little bit as well. Both of these bullpens aren't necessarily too trustworthy, but you do have Adam Simber doing a solid job for the Blue Jays. And on top of that, Emi Garcia has been able to come along for the ride as well. So I do think that it's a case which Dylan Donkami, Al Bundy, is going to come out. He's going to get a little bit shelled. And I do think that Jose Barrios who has always been better at home than on the road. He's going to be able to deliver a nice start. Set my total at a 9.3. I'm going to be looking at the over, and I'm going to take the run line here because I do think that Mr. Don't Kill Me L. Bundy going to be giving up some runs here. As we wind up going to 971-972 on the bang board, the Seattle Mariners, they throw, they're going to be facing off against the Walker, Texas Rangers. Glenn Otto is going to be home for the Rangers, and one Marco Gonzalez is going to be on the bump for Seattle. Seattle's finding themselves as a slight underdog. You're going to be getting them in between minus 105 and plus 108. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Texas, they are back to being a favorite of between minus 110 and minus 118. Nine is your total. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. Seeing some A-Nafs out there on the A-Naf. The over is minus 120, and the under is even. And when it comes to the spot, I did wind up saying the Mariners at a plus 114. So I'm willing to lay up to a minus 114 with the Rangers. For Glenn Otto, he wound up having a little bit of a rough go of it when he was set up to the big leagues last season. And this season, he's had a couple rough starts, but he's been able to really find his way. And at the very least, he's not giving up as many home runs as Marco Gonzalez, who has been giving up right around two home runs per nine innings thus far this season. And past that, Marco Gonzalez has not been doing a terrible job. It's just that it's the same problem that he's always had throughout his career. He's given up the hard contact, and then you're able to layer that on with the fact that he was very good with the good man in 2020. 2021 was relatively solid as well. He's up to right around 3.3-ish walks per nine innings. Leonardo, he's not one to talk. He's got right around four and a half walks per nine innings, but has been able to get Mr. Otto right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. As a matter of fact, Glenn Otto and Marco Gonzalez both have 29 strikeouts this year, and Glenn Otto has thrown 15 and a third innings fewer than Marco Gonzalez with Gonzalez. Tim Bombs giving up in 58 and two-thirds innings, so that's an issue. And then you do take a look at the Texas Rangers lineup, and that's a little bit of a problem as well. Marcus Simeon is up to two home runs, so, I mean, whoopties stinking new there. He's been able to hit much better here in the last month or so, so... He's starting to bust out of that funk a little bit, but still. Got a couple light hitters when it comes to this team. Andy Ibanez, Eli White, Mitch Garver, Adolis Garcia, along with Corey Seager. All these guys are hitting between the pocket of about 215 to about a 235. Cole Calhoun is able to 250 for this bunch of Jonah Heim. Able to get on base, but relatively pedestrian lineup. And then for the Seattle Mariners, they've been dealing with a couple of ailments of their own. J.P. Crawford's hitting a 300. Ty France, along with Tyrone Trammell, have been able to hit above a 300 for this team with France. He's been able will give you north of 35 RBI and Eugenio Suarez. Nine home runs. They haven't had a ton of home run power with regards to the team, but they did wind up getting back Abraham Toro after a little bit of a rough start to the year. Got to figure that he's going to be able to pick it up. The big trepidation that you have with the Seattle Mariners though is that the bullpen just has not been what it was last season. Submergio Romo has submerged his ERA to a north of a six. Diego Castillo, he is really starting to pick it up. You take a look at him over the last 30 days, it's better, but 650 ERA, it's really been guys like Penn Murphy who have been some of the best guys out of the bullpen. He's got a sub-2 ERA. Eric Swanson, who's been a little bit banged up. He's been solid when he's been out there, but that's been a little bit of an issue. Drew Seconrider, I believe that he wound up getting sent down to AAA, and then 
for the Texas Rangers. Got a pair of guys in Brock Burke and Joe Barlow with a sub-2 ERA. They've been terrific for the team. Matt Bush has been able to give you some good innings. John King has an ERA that's hovering right around three. So these have been relatively reliable pieces, and I do think that Glenn Otto, young guy with some very good plus stuff, is going to be able to keep the Seattle Mariners a little bit more off guard. I did wind up saying this total at an 8.6. So at the 9, I think that we went a little bit too far. Most of the 8.5s are out there on the East Coast. So I'm right now dealing with 9s. I'd be willing to take a 9 under A. When it comes to the spot with the Texas Rangers, I am willing to lay up to a minus 114. With them, a lot of places I'm seeing have right around about a minus 110-ish. So I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the Rangers and this little under 973, 974 on the bang board. The Cleveland Guardians hit the road face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Tyler Wells is going to be on the bump for the Orioles, and Tristan McKenzie is going to be on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland is finding themselves as a sizable favorite here, anywhere between minus 126 and minus 135. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the O's, it's anywhere between plus 115 and plus 124, with 8 being your total. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and even money. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. With regards to the Orioles, I did wind up saying them at plus 129. So I was willing to lay up to a minus 129 here with the Cleveland Guardians. I'm currently seeing that minus 126 out there, and that's pretty much the max I'm willing to lay, but I am going to be willing to lay here with the Cleveland Guardians. By the way, if you're looking at the run line, since I know that quite a few numbers have been moving a little bit past minus 130, I'm seeing the Guardians run line in a lot of places right around a median number of a plus 135. I'd be willing to take a plus 135 or greater here. I set mine at a plus 134 pretty much intentionally because typically the run line winds up going up by 5 cents, so 135 or greater is my buy point there, but you take a look at Tristan McKenzie. Deserves much better than his 3-4 record. 265 ERA has really been able to hone in with regards to command. 2.4, 2.5 blocks per 9 innings. That's very passable. He has given up 2 earned runs or fewer in 4 out of his last 5 starts, and the outlier was 3 runs in 7 innings on the road against the Minnesota Twins, so he's been rock solid, and for Wells, he's come out of the bullpen, and he's been able to deliver some halfway decent innings. Not a guy that's going to go out there and get you a lot of swings and misses right around 6 strikeouts per 9 innings, but 3 runs or fewer given up in each out of his last 5 starts. He's given up 3 walks in his last 5 as well, so he's not going to put guys on cheaply. I do think that there's going to continue to be a little bit of regression when it comes to this Baltimore Orioles bullpen. You take a look at Ore Lopez along CNL Perez. Pair of guys currently with an ERA that is a sub-150. Logan Gillespie as well, who he was used yesterday, but only for four pitches. So he's going to be able to come back in this one. But you take a look at this Guardians lineup, and they're starting to rip the cover off the ball because you've got a lot of guys being able to get on base. Jose Ramirez, everyone's afraid of him. 52 RBI right now leads the league, 13 home runs. He's got nearly a 400 on base, but past that, you've got Owen Miller, Josh Naylor, both of these guys hitting right around 290. Andre Semenes, he's been able to hit right around a 300. Oscar Gonzalez, who recently got called up, 379 on base. I don't think that he's drawn a walk yet, but he's been able to do a solid job being able to get aboard as well for the injured Stephen Kwan. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, you have had the offense be able to pick it up a little bit more. Trey Boomer, Mancini, Austin, the Sayers kid, both hitting above a 290 for this bunch. Ryan McCastle sitting a 260, been able to get a little bit out of Cedric Mullins recently as well. It's been a little bit of a cold season from starting to pick it up. Adelie Rushman needs to do a little bit more, but I will say, Rudan Odor wound up having a pretty cataclysmically bad year last season this year. He got off to a little bit of a rough start as well. He's hitting 260 over the last 15 days. He's been able to go in that time span for four home runs. So he's starting to pick it up a little bit. And then for the Guardians, bullpen has been relatively solid. Emmanuel Classe has been lights out. Same to just a sub-two ERA. Heck, even a guy in Eli Morgan, who was a little bit of a failure of a starter last season, 
He's got right around 2-5-ish ERA. And Yel De Los Santos has been able to come in. He's been able to give you some solid innings. So I do like the Cleveland Guardians in this spot. Whether it be money line or run line, I'm personally trying to find a money line of right around minus 126, minus 128 to be a layup. But I do think that this is an Orioles team that they're going to start to give up a few more runs. I did wind up setting my total at an 8.2. So look at 8 over and on the Guardians. 975-976 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox hit the road faceoff against the Oakland A's. Paul Blackburn is going to be going for the A's. And Nick Pavetta is going to be on the bump. For Boston, Boston finds themselves anywhere between minus 125 and minus 114 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the A's, you're going to be finding them in between plus 104 and plus 110. And your total on this game, it is 7.5. The juice is all over the place. The over is anywhere between minus 115 and even money. And the under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. And this is a situation which I want to say Boston has a minus 132 favorite. Although I will say, Oakland is the Fonz's favorite team because you like to see A's. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that one. And his favorite is Paul Blackburn because he's actually been able to do a tremendous job this season for the A's. Did wind up giving up four runs at his last start against the Houston Astros, but I mean, by and large, you take a look at it. He's got a 2-1-5 ERA, 5-1 record, and the Oakland A's, I believe, have lost only two of his starts thus far this season. And he has been lights out for this team. He's been highly reliable. That said, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and get you a lot of swings and misses. It's been a lot of soft contact, which you're able to do in Oakland, especially during the nighttime where the marine layer is out. But that said, this is now a daytime start. And when he wound up getting shelled last time against the Houston Astros, that was a daytime start. You'll notice that his opponent's batting average is right around 208, despite the fact that he's only getting right around 7 strikeouts per 9 innings. Now, his walks per 9 rate, that over is right around 2, so he's been able to do a good job there, but for Nick Bavetta, ever since he wound up getting to Boston, he's actually been better on the road than he has been at home. That's been a little bit different this season, but still, overall for his tenure in Boston, his ERA is a full point lower when he does wind up hitting the road, and he has given up a little bit of hard contact this season, right around a home run per nine innings, walks per nine rate. You'd like to see it a little bit lower than right around a 3.3, 3.4, but it's getting swings and misses right around eight and a half punch-outs per nine innings. So you just take a look at what he's been able to do recently. He's given up one earned run or fewer in four out of his last five starts, a lone outlier when he wound up giving up three earned runs on the road against the Chicago White Sox. And for the Red Sox, you do have a trio of guys. They're just absolutely mashing for this team. Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, and J.D. Martinez. All these guys have been able to hit for at least a 323 for this bunch. Past that, you do have Christian Vasquez, who's been able to come in at the catcher spot, hitting right around a 293. Nobody else is really hitting above a 247 for this team. Francis Cordero has been able to come along for the ride. And you have seen Trevor Story over the last few weeks really be able to take off. You wind up having a rough go of it to begin with in Boston, but hitting a 265 with seven home runs and 21 RBI over the last 15 days for the team. Kike Hernandez, he's been able to go deep a couple times when it comes to the leadoff spot. And for the Oakland A's, it's really a situation which is, might be the worst offense out there in baseball. And that's saying something considering the Detroit Tigers are in existence. You take a look at the starting lineup for this team. You wind up having one guy in the starting lineup hitting above a 250. That would be Chad Pinder at a 252. As a matter of fact, I think that you wind up having six guys out there with a 217 batting average or fewer. And none of those guys had an on-base percentage above a 300. So it's not like they're just drawing walks or anything like that. And you don't have anyone on this roster with more than five home runs. You need to get a little bit more out of Jed Lowry. Ramon Laureano is starting to pick it up to his credit over the last 15 or so days. He's been able to give this team a little bit more inning right around 313 in that time span, but you just need these guys to be able to get on base because with the Oakland A's, the bullpen is starting to really 
weighing on them. Danny Jimenez who wound up having a good start to the year. Now he's got an ERA that has hiked north of four. You've still had some very good performances from AJ Puck along Sam Mall. Both of these guys have sub buck 50 ERAs. Domingo Acevedo has a three-ish ERA, but Justin Grimm, not a guy that you want to be seeing out there. Lou Trevino has been a hot mess all season long, and for the Boston Red Sox, it certainly has been a case in which a bullpen has not necessarily been too terrific. You've had Matt Barnes dealing with injuries. He's going to be out of the full Tyler Dana show. He's been okay. Austin Davis, he's been able to give you a sub two ERA to enter out. He's formed himself into a little bit of a long guy as well, so I do take a look at the spot, and I do feel like the Red Sox should be a little bit more of a favorite set them at a minus 132, and because this is a daytime game, I did wind up saying the total a little bit higher in this one, so my total is 7.7, I'm looking over, and I'm looking at the Sox. 977, 978 on the bang board. The other Sox, the White Sox, they throw to face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Drew Rasmussen is going to be going for the Rays, and Dylan Cease and Decease is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. White Sox in between minus 105 and plus 107 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Rays, it is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 117, with 7 being your total, under is minus 120, and the over is even. And when it comes to the situation, I wound up saying the Rays at a minus 134. I've been highly impressed by Drew Rasmussen ever since he wound up getting thrusted into the starting rotation right around August of last year. This is a guy that has had in that time span a sub-250 ERA as a starter thus far this year, more like a 347. So has been a little bit tough there, only giving up right around a home run per nine innings, 2.6-ish walks per nine, swinging the miss stuff has been there. And you take a look at Drew Rasmussen, home and road splits, he's been so much better at home. 210 ERA at home, 514 ERA on the road, and Opponents are getting just a buck ninety-four off of them at the trap. Meanwhile, you take a look at Dylan Cease. Has always been someone that has been a bit better at home than on the road. That's been a little bit reversed this year. He wound up having a bit, pair of bad home starts, but by and large, for his career, has always been a little bit better when it comes to being at home, although I will say on the road. Just one home run given up in 21 innings, perhaps he's turning over a little bit of a new leaf, and for the White Sox, it is a bullpen that is a little bit depleted right now. Kendall Graveman has been dealing with a little bit of an ailment. Matt Foster has been able to give you some good innings, but Jose Ruiz has not been able to do a great job. You've got Liam Hendricks out firing all cylinders, but you need to get him a save opportunity to be able to get him out there, and for the White Sox, it's been a lineup that's been a little bit rough as well. I will say, Jose Abreu, over the last 15 days, he's sitting right around 300. He's really Really been able to catch some fire, wound up getting another home run yesterday. AJ Pollock, though, continues at right around 230 along Jake Berger, Lori Garcia, Yasmani Grandal, Yuan Mokata. All these guys are hanging below the window sign of 200. Daniel Mendick has been able to get on base, but Tim Anderson being out of the fold has really hurt them. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, not having Wander Franco out there, that has hurt them a little bit. And I, I think I called them the ways, and their ways is always just finding ways. To win. Yandy Diaz, he's sitting at 270 for this team. And then you got G-Man Choi hitting right around 265. Randy Orozarena, he wound up having a really tough start to the season. You take a look at what he's been able to do recently, though. This is a man that's hitting at 333 over his last 15 days, so that's been relatively impressive for Errol Ramirez. He's been able to do a solid job as well, and for the race, this is a very dominant bullpen. J.P. Fireisen, going into the weekend, has yet to give up an earned run this season. Colin Pooch, along with Brooks Raley, both of these guys have sub-265 ERAs. Jason Adam has an ERA that offers right around a 1. Ralph Garza Jr. has been able to give you some good innings of relief as a long guy. Matt Weisler, right around a 250 ERA, so I do think that Rasmussen is going to be able to deliver a little bit of a better start than season, even though the race have not been able to generate a lot of power with guys like Mike Zanino and company seeing a little bit of dip with regards to it. I do think that the Rays are going to be able to get to cease and be able to get the job done in the spot. So my total is 7.2. I think that this total just went just a little bit too low, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over and with the Rays, wanting to take the money line there. Final two games are going to be off the board games, but I've got my number, 979, 980 on the main board. Houston Astros hit the road to face off against the Kansas City Royals. 
It is good old to be determined for the Kansas City Royals, and it is going to be Mr. Luis Garcia who's going to be on the bump for the Houston Astros. I sort of think that this is going to be a bullpen game in which Ronald Bolanos is either going to be a bulk guy or a starter, so... As a result, I do wind up saying the Astros in the spot at a minus 172 was very baffling to see them right around like a minus 120 yesterday. So they wind up continuing to undervalue the Houston Astros. That's going to be terrific. And I'm also seeing reports of Chris with a K boobich winding up getting the start for the Kansas City Royals, in which, yeah, I'm going to be willing to keep this right around that minus 170 range as well. And with Bubich versus Garcia, in eight or less, I'd be taking a look at the over eight and a half prior to the under. I mean, the good news for Chris with the K, Bubich, it can't go much worse than what it's gone thus far this year. He's made six total appearances, five starts, a 12.83 ERA, giving up five home runs in 13 and a third innings, and he has failed to get out of the first inning twice. Twice! I mean, that's just absolutely terrible. I do think that you're probably going to see a nice dosage of Ronald Bolanos in this one because I don't think that Chris with the gay boobich is going to be making it much more than like three or four innings. And you've already seen him not be able to make it one. And for Bolanos, seven appearances this season, 18 innings. He's given up two home runs. He doesn't do anything flashy. He gives up right around four and a half blocks per nine innings. Not a big swing and miss guy, but he doesn't light the game on fire, which is much more than what I can say for Chris with the gay boobich, who has been absolutely terrible this year. Meanwhile, with Luis Garcia, the big thing for him was being able to work on his home and road splits. Last year, he had north of a 4 ERA on the road, right around 250 ERA at home. It's reverse this year. 418 home ERA, 216 road ERA. Five road starts, he's given up three home runs over the course of 25 innings. His walks per nine rate, a little bit high, right around a 2.9 overall home and road, but opponents are just a 204 off of him, so he's been able to do a terrific job there. And the Astros, best under team of baseball, aside from when they wind up putting up a double-digit amount of runs yesterday. That winds burning things a little bit, but... Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, both of these guys in between about a 265 to a 275. You've got Jordan Alvarez now hitting right around a 280 for this bunch along with his 15 home runs. You've got Kyle Tucker starting to pick it up. He's got a 340 on base even though Alex Bregman has been dealing with some struggles and some ailments. He still has been able to get on base even though the batting average is not there with them. And take a look at this Kansas City Royals team. They were on a nice run in which they wound up scoring four plus runs in I believe five out of seven games, but this is just not a good offense. Salvador Perez, who had 48 home runs last season, he's currently inning a buck 85 for this team. Carlos Santana has become unplayable for them. You've got Kyle Isabel along with Hunter Dozier both in between a 265 to a 275 and Andrew Benatendi to his credit. He's been tremendous. 335 batting average. I will say Whit Merrifield's right around 215-ish batting average. A little bit deceiving if you take a look at what he's done over the last 30 days. He's hitting more like a 250 so he's getting back to the Whit Merrifield of old but Bobby Witt Jr. after he had a nice little bit of a spurt. He is now hitting right around 225 along with Nicky Lopez around there. Emmanuel Rivera as well and for the can see Royal Spotify bullpen in terms of ERA. Probably going to see a lot of Balanos. You've also got Joel Payamps, who has been able to give you some long relief. He's firing right around three ERA. Scott Barlow, a sub three ERA. And Alberto Bredeu, now it winds up coming into the fold. He's actually been relatively solid. I believe that he was actually with the Houston Astros, if I'm not mistaken. Might have been with the Texas Rangers, but is able to do a solid job. And for the Astros, they've got their own Abreu out there in the bullpen. Brian Abreu, he's been able to give you right around a three three ERA. Rafael Montero, a sub one ERA. That's doing for some regression along with Ryan Stanek posting up a buck with six, but these guys have all been masterful. So, as a result, when it comes to Luis Garcia along with Chris with the K. Bubich, I was making it more around a minus 172 with Mr. Ronald Bolanos. I'm going to go up to more like a minus 180-ish with our good friend Chris with the K. Bubich on the mound, and I'd be willing to take the run line as long as it's pretty much below a minus 120 in this spot. And when it comes to this total, 
I'm going to be making it to where an 8 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at an over, and an 8.5, I'm going to be taking a look at an under, and we do wrap things up with 981-982 on the bang board. The LA Angels, they hit the road, they're going to be facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is going to be on the bump for the Phillies, and Michael Lorenzen is going to be going for the Angels. This is a game that is currently off the board because we did not know if Mr. Whelan and Dylan Wheeler was going to get the start or not, but with Zach Wheeler against Michael Lorenzen, set the Phillies at a minus one. 46 favorite, which and saying something after the night that we wanted seeing from the Phillies yesterday, and they wanted saying my total at an 8.3, 8 or less looking over, 8.5 or higher through the under now with the LA Angels. It was just a no good, very bad, terrible night for them, in which they wound up losing 10 to 0 yesterday, but we still have plenty of offensive firepower when it comes to this team. Taylor Ward is starting to regress, but still. 443 on base, 10 home runs for him. Shoei Otani, Mike Trout, both of these guys have been able to go yard a double-digit amount of times. Trout has been able to go deep 13 times. I believe that Shoei is stuck on 11 right now. Trout, 390 on base. And past that, Jared Walsh, Luis Ranifo, Brandon Marsh, Max Sassy, all these guys are in between about a 247 to a 265. So they've been able to reach base as well for the Philadelphia Phillies. There's no question that this lineup is very good. Kyle Schwarber is only in at the Mendoza line of 200, but he's been able to give you 14 home runs. Bryce Harper has been able to go deep for 12 bombs as season. He's hitting a 300. They are going to be without Mean Gene Segura for quite a while, but Alec Bohm is hitting a 250. Nick Cassianos in that pocket as well, so you got guys that will be able to reach base, and Mickey Monick is now off the injured list. Many people thought that he might be a rookie of the year candidate. Yohan Camargo has been able to get on base with the Phillies. Big thing with them is the bullpen. They didn't wind up having to utilize too much of it yesterday, so that means that Craig Canable, right hand, both of these guys are going to be on tap and available, but the other guys have not been able to do a solid job. Andrew Bellotti is starting to regress. I actually like what Connor Brogdon is able to give you out there in the bullpen, and for the LA Angels, it's the same for them. What are you going to be able to get out of this bullpen? Because Ryan Tapera right now is a north of four ERA. You've been able to get a lot of production out of Aaron Luke Rossio Glacius is solid. Jimmy Hergut is a relatively long guy that is solid, but I take a look at other guys like Andrew Watson. You want a little bit more out of them, but I do take a look at Michael Lorenzen. He's been able to do a relatively solid job as a starter this year, but problem is he's going up against Zach Whelan and Deal and Wheeler. 319 ERA for Lorenzen was a bullpen piece while he was with the Cincinnati Reds. He's given up just four home runs in 48 innings thus far this season. 2.9 walks per nine innings. Probably getting a little bit lucky. Strikeouts per nine rate right around at six. And then you take a look at Wheeler. Wound up having a couple of rough starts to begin the season, but you take a look at him ever since he's been able to get things firing out cylinders. Last five starts, buck 65 ERA. He has really been able to come through and look like the Zach Wheeler of old in those last five starts. One home run and five walks surrendered. This is what you expect from the Cy Young candidate from a season ago. Wanted needing a little bit of time to be able to sort out the kinks due to that truncated spring training in which he was not able to get in a lot of work ever since he's been able to find that flow. He has been tremendous. So, wound up saying the Phillies in this spot, minus 146 on the money line and on the run line, I would need at least a plus 140 to be able to take a shot there. And then, eight or less, going to be taking a look at an over eight and a half higher to the under. And that will wrap things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. A big thanks to Ben Wilson over there at VEASAN for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to this in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GR underscore one. Keep in mind, the letter CM, it does not matter, size per usual. Please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like here on this podcast. Five the five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare the wait is almost over get ready for the 2024 nfl season as the full schedule is announced every rivalry Every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.